this week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. A pair of wins by the Toronto Rocks see them clinch a playoff spot, while a pair of Colorado wins sees them close the gap on the seal. Chris Corbeil and The Rush are going to be playing pretty pissed off this weekend, and Pat and I give you some more box bets. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! So 
Earlier in the play, McCardle had cross-checked Jackson all the way up by the midfield line, and his stick actually broke. I heard it snap, so he dropped the stick. So I think Jackson's basically saying, hey, was it worth it? Are you glad you broke your stick? Hit the pipe! Oh, that's twice they found the crease player. Now we've got Jeffrey streaking down the man with it, and it goes in! It goes in, it's a goal! Jeffrey goes from dope to hero! Another wild and crazy weekend in the National Lacrosse League is over and done with, but that just means we have another. Welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I'm Teddy Jenner. You can find me at Teddy Jenner. And yes, my Instagram is back. Thank you to all <laughs> the fine folks at Instagram. And I'm sorry if you got caught up in the Bitcoin madness, uh, I apologize. Uh, the show is at OTCB underscore podcast and on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Patty, how the hell are you? So you're telling me that wasn't you? I'm not super rich. and No, uh, uh, I didn't turn four, <laughs> one grand into 18 grand in the matter of minutes. So yeah, not me. I don't know who it was. I think it might have been, it probably was Delbs. If it was a funny joke by a player on Twitter, there's a good chance it's Christian Delbianco. But he said, You, actually, no, I think it was Banesh. I think it was Banesh who might have actually said it that you and Harrowire's. Uh, no, it was Delbs. It was Delbs. Oh, it was Delbs? Okay. It was Delbs. I know Banesh said Benny something. Benny was funny in there. Too. Louis Ratcliffe was in there. I was getting it from all sides. Um, it all, funny enough, it all started like I was coming down the elevator to go to the arena on, on game day last week to Calgary. And I got like a DM from Jordan coffee. Who's uh, an old lacrosse guy has done work with TSN and he and I have exchanged messages over the years. And the DM said, Hey man, uh, I need some help. Uh, I'm in a contest to be a social for like social media influencers. And I could really use your vote. And having gone through that process and other things before, like during draft and all that stuff. And I was like, ah, wait, hold on. I'm like, this kind of sounds kind of scammy. Is this you? He goes, oh yeah, it's all good, man. I get that all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, I need you to go to this link. I'm going to send you an over email or through your text, take a screen grab of it. Let me know you did it and you got it and we'll be good. I'm like, all right, but this still kind of sounds kind of fishy. No, no, all good, man. All good. The bots are getting smarter, Patty. It's ridiculous. They're like taking over DMs and conversing as people. So I like thought it was I thought it was cough. And next thing you know, boom, kicked out of my thing, and everyone's like, "Dude, Bitcoin, what the hell's going on?" Like for the next. So this was over the process of like a couple hours, and then like I get supremely hacked right before the game starts. So I look down at my phone and there's like 12 text messages, Instagram messages, Facebook, dude, what's going on? I think you've been acting like, oh no, I got to deal with this right now. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a little maddening, but uh, I've, I've gotten it back. I've recovered it. Um, and it wasn't as painful as a lot of people said it was going to be because apparently Robert Church, it's, it's been over a year and he still never got his back. So I gave him the email of the people I contacted to get it back. And I know some other people just like, screw it. I'm either done with Instagram altogether or I'm just going to start a brand new account. But uh, thankfully uh, that's over and done with. So uh, I'm not into Bitcoin 
And if you get any DMs saying otherwise, it's not me. And be wary of scams, folks. They are getting smarter. I honestly, man, I felt so bad for you. Not just that you just lost your Instagram account, but it was right before you were going on air. And there's literally <laughs> nothing worse than if something pops up and you literally can't do anything because it's like, yeah. I, I got to go on air right now. Yeah. And, and, yeah, that's just uh, good on you because you kept your composure. It was a great call. Uh, you and Brad and um, Chantel did a great job. So kudos to you guys because that was another fantastic broadcast. And um, it was a heck of a game. And you said it, man, another insane week. Every time we think like, okay, we're going to get back down to earth here. There's no way this week could be just as good as the last. It lives up to the expectation. And I think you maybe even argue this week was even better than the last. Yeah, and I think the way that the playoffs are shaping and, and the standings are, I think every weekend from here to the end of the regular season is going to be this way because I don't know, like, we haven't seen the the recent playoff implication email come out yet. It's, it's supposed to come out at some point today on Wednesday, but we still haven't seen it yet. So, like, I think San Diego with a win can probably clinch a playoff spot, but, like, Everything else is so convoluted. You know, Rochester's pretty much out. A loss by SAS pretty much eliminates them. Uh, a New York loss puts them in a bit of a hole, but everyone is still fighting, and every win and every loss will dictate and change the standings uh, with every play. So it's, it's going to be a fantastic finish, and this week, week 19, is just going to be a, another absolute dandy. Yeah, we've said it like, I don't know, maybe for two months now, like, oh, we know it's going to be a crazy finish, like it's a meat grinder, Uh, you know, things are so tight, it's as clear as mud, whatever cliches you want to throw, we've been doing it and we've been kind of anticipating it on being a wild finish, but now you see how close everything is and with the exception of Buffalo, who they did you know, get handed their second loss of the season, which we'll obviously get to, but there really isn't anyone pulling away. Like there is not that gap. We thought maybe Halifax and Buffalo would be, yeah. you know, the ones pulling away. They're not like now Toronto, like it's just absolute madness. And on the West, I said it last week. I said, Oh man, San Diego could really, you know, put an exclamation mark on first. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I was like, okay, maybe a little bit too earlier now a loss. Yeah. And what Colorado did this weekend, man, the West is even just as crazy, if not crazier. Yeah. It, it, it's bananas. The fact that, you know, Saskatchewan has four games left. They need to win out to get in, but it is possible. And they play all the teams that are above them uh, over those next four games. But it's, it, it's just absolutely madness. The fact that, you know, Halifax had that number two seed pretty much locked up and then they go on a four game slide and next, you know, Toronto's jumping them and Georgia's nipping at their heels. So the same with, you know, Panther city climbing all the way up and and Calgary going from fifth to third and Vancouver going the other way from third to fifth. Like I said, every game is going to have implications on the standings from here on out. And it's just going to make the weekends that much more enjoyable. Uh, So week 18 started on Thursday, Buffalo goes into Philadelphia. Philadelphia finally scores some goals, but they run into the juggernaut of the Buffalo Bandits. On Friday, Rochester goes to Halifax. Halifax breaks the slide. They stop their four-game losing streak, finally getting some momentum going forward. Toronto beats Georgia 13-9. We had the Calgary game against Vancouver in overtime, which was just an absolute classic. 
Saturday, Toronto beats San Diego, doubles them up. And that game was close for throughout. But in that fourth quarter, the Rock really pulled away in what was a feisty East-West uh, battle. Philadelphia beats New York 11-5. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Buffalo loses 15-14 to Colorado in a fantastic game. Albany beats Vancouver 11-7. And then on Monday, Colorado wins their second of the weekend, 10-7. Biggest takeaway of week 18. Toronto Rock are, are a problem. Yeah. I think we are seeing the Toronto Rock team that at the start of the year when we saw on paper say, oh boy, this is a championship contending team. What they were able to do this weekend, go into Georgia, a team that beat them and you know handily beat them at that matter on their home floor. You then go there, beat them with your speed, your size and transition. Because if you watch that game, I think I counted it. There was only two five-on-five settled goals that came from the inside, and one was a dunk from Dan Craig. So it was all transition, all outside shots on the power play. So it was like, you know what? This looks like your prototypical Toronto Rock game where the ball's sinking from the outside and everything's going well. What happens when those outside shots aren't sinking? Well, the very next day, they take that performance and times it by two. They were scoring in transition. They were scoring from the outside. They were getting to the inside. The defense was incredible. Mitch DeSnew and Brad Curry put that offense in their back pocket and, and shut them down. Latrell Harris uh, in over this weekend, over you know just over 24 hours, scoring goals, setting up plays. Like everything was clicking. Dan Craig with a sock trick. And quietly, two nights in a row, Nick Rose just looking phenomenal. And I don't know if that was talk, talked about enough. Like, Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, what that, though, that defense did over the span of two games uh, was quite remarkable, especially that second night where you hold San Diego to just seven. And more so the fact of the way they played that game against San Diego. And I put out the tweet a couple of times, you know, this is going to get nasty it's going to get crazy. You know, it's going to turn wild and it eventually did. And I said, I think in one of our group chats, San Diego can't play that type of game. They can't get caught up in all of that extracurricular stuff because it just, it sets them off kilter. And, and they got an Audi's face right away. And Audi's a guy that loves to play on the edge and always plays with that fieriness. But when it becomes, a detriment and you start parading to the penalty box and they're fine making some of those trades as that game went on. They were fine taking Greer off or for Cree or they were fine taking off Stoddy for this new. Yeah. You lose some of your better D guys, but I would rather take my depth on D for the rock than lose some of those guys offensively for San Diego. And, and you just saw Toronto just starting to wear them down and wear them down and San Diego couldn't get inside and, it was just a phenomenal performance over two weekends um, and no Dan Dawson for either of those games. And Tom Schreiber just continued to be absolutely fantastic. And we had no Rob Hellier in that yeah, second, the second game, game yeah. as well. Right. And it was nuts, man. Like all season long, we've talked about how Schreiber has completely, you know, turned himself into an elite goal scorer. We knew, you know, the, the old term, the Schreiberian assist. Well, mm -hmm. we saw vintage Tom <laughs> Schreiber on Saturday night, yeah. six assists, still got himself a goal to keep that, that goal per game on track uh, or three goals per game on track. But um, 
you know, he is what we were seeing with him uh, distributing the ball. Like that was vintage, vintage Captain America. But again, like I've got the box score up now and seeing like, like Nick Rose, 41 saves, but it was like a quiet, cool, calm, collected 41. He had that one ridiculous save with his stick where he went crease to crease, but this is the type of goaltending that you can win a championship with with right like he he makes those saves that you need to make he's gonna he's gonna let in one or two stinkers that you know he would love to have but if he's gonna play like this the rest of the way man i have a hard time not believing that this is a team that could go toe-to-toe with buffalo if he's letting one or two stinkers in and they're still only giving up 10 then yeah absolutely i think the fact that you know we talk all the time about defenses playing a style predicated by their goaltender and Toronto and Nick Rose love to fuck, love to see those outside shots. He, he doesn't really want to be moving side to side a lot. They don't like the East West swing passes. They just like to get out on hands, be physical and make you force that outside shot. And they did that incredibly well over the weekend. So two huge wins by the rock. They clinch a playoff spot. They jump Halifax for second place uh, and the East continues to get a little wilder, but as we mentioned, Buffalo won that first game, uh, but the second game on Saturday, they put up 14, but Colorado puts up 15. And I've said it a few times last week in, in the leading weeks that I needed to see Buffalo lose a couple games, a couple tough ones, just to build that fortitude. And I think, yes, a loss sucks, but this kind of a loss will actually go a long way to making them a better team. And it's on the other side of the ball, it's a huge win for Colorado because it gives them a lot of confidence going into a, that game against New York where they play incredibly well and shut them down to seven. You're kind of came back late, but sets Colorado up for a huge game this weekend. Uh, the Mammoth, the Cooper Perkins said it, like they're Jekyll and Hyde and they have been for a long time. But if it, this is the kind of play that we're going to see for the next couple of weeks, um, as much as you like Toronto, I, I like the Colorado Mammoth. I tell you, man, like if I had to pick a team right now, just based off the way they're trending in the West, I think I'm leading Colorado. And I, I know San Diego obviously still is a very strong core. Their, their offense is still electric. Um, but just what I saw from Colorado, there was just, and maybe Buffalo or maybe San Diego's getting a little bit of that taste that you talked about that you need to, to go through a little bit of a down spell, but I just would like to see that, that resolve this week, but with Colorado, man, like I can't put my finger on this team. I can't figure out like, like Cooper Perkins said it perfectly. And I I've said the exact same thing on our Twitter spaces uh, on Thursday night. I said, this is a team that I cannot figure out when they are on, they are on, but when they're not, they're a tough team to watch. And um, this is a perfect example. Dylan Ward was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He said the days where we have to keep the score within that 10 range are over. We have an offense that, you know, if the defense is fighting it, that they can, you know, fill the cage. And I think a big part why I have a lot of confidence in Colorado now going forward Zed Williams, like he finally came to life this weekend as well. And if he can start contributing, man, this offense is scary. Now, before I I end this though, just because I said I would pick them over San Diego, if San Diego gets right back on track, I'm going to obviously say that they're a team that I'd be 
you know, riding as well, but just based off the small sample size of Pat in the past two weeks, let's say, um, I certainly like Colorado's game more than, than San Diego right now. They've got some things to figure out and, uh, yeah, wouldn't that be an awesome Western final? Um, they play each other this weekend, Colorado, San Diego, and San Diego's already won two of the three. So they have the season series, but a win by Colorado this weekend goes a long way in keeping them in the hunt for first place in the West. Uh, back on, on Friday, the, the, the Calgary game against Vancouver and people have written this, not written Calgary off, but they're almost forgotten because of how few games they had played, you know, through the trade deadline. And now they're starting to put some things together. And Christian Del Bianco is starting to play like we know he can play. And Curry are starting to just be all world. But when you get Dixon and Pace and King all contributing, and then you get supporting cast goals, this Calgary team is starting to put some things in the right direction. They have a huge weekend uh, coming up. But that win against Vancouver really supplanted them in the Western conversation. Well, I think if the playoffs start today, um, they're in that, that third spot um, in the West. Right. So this is for, for me, I think this is a team that I, I agree. They are forgotten. I wouldn't say people are quote unquote, like sleeping on them or, or doubting them. I just think you're right because they were, their schedule just so weird and, they kind of got put on the back burner, but I think another thing people have to realize that they are the defending champions, but this is a different team, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad team. I think they rely a little more on Del Bianco to, to be outstanding in the defense, to be uh, athletic and, and score in transition. And yes, you still have Dixon and King who are your backbone. Uh, and then a guy like pace is now really starting to, to pick it up, but they don't have Dolby. They're not the team that I think that they were when they won a championship. They're going to have to win a different way. And I think they have found that identity and they're really starting in to, to lean into it now. And um, it's a huge weekend for them, for them this weekend, an absolutely massive weekend. And I think even though these cross conference games don't go head to head and you're battling, it's still because of how tight everything is every single game, going forward is going to be huge. percent. And when you look at, you know, what Vancouver has coming up for the rest of their schedule, that loss is pretty massive because the next three games, their final three games are all in the division. But when you play the night before and you lose a heartbreaker, you literally have no time to shower. You have to grab your bag, pack your bag, get on the bus and be at the, like they, they held that flight for them because they were all on the same flight, all 20, what, seven of them, including support staff or whatever, they held that flight for them because they were going to miss it because that game went to overtime and having to get everybody all packed up and on the bus to the airport in Calgary. To have that emotional loss, then to have to come back home and play an Albany team that's been sitting there waiting for you and and you lose another one and you kind of lose a grasp on your playoff spot, that has to be very mentally weighing for the Vancouver Warriors. Absolutely backbreaking is the perfect way to put it. It's it's very demoralizing. And I think like when you do go back home and you're playing a team that's been waiting for you, I think there's really two ways to go about it. And you saw the Toronto Rock 
they didn't try to coast into things. They weren't like, okay, we got to save our legs. Like they came out and just played the same way. Whereas Vancouver, I don't know if it was just, it was that, you know, they just hadn't been able to pick themselves up off the mat, but just from the get-go for me, it was just like Albany was ready to go. And you know, you're playing a hungry team. Like Albany has no choice, but to win out the rest of the way. And Vancouver was playing like a team that, you know, kind of thought that they had some, some, some time to play with and they didn't, and they were never able to get themselves back into this game. And for me, it's, it's, it's looking very bleak. It sucks because this is a season that started out so well, they lose Mitch Jones and they're still able to be in the thick of things with them. But I think now we're starting to feel the effects of, of uh, Mitch Jones less Vancouver team. And finally, uh, 11 points for Kyle Jackson in his first two games as a member of the Philadelphia Wings. Um, it, it's a perfect fit almost for him. Yeah, and I, that's the thing. Like, he's – say what you will about Halifax and and, and the departure or, or whatever – both teams needed a fresh start. Like Kyle wasn't performing there. And I think this is an opportunity where Philadelphia needed a fresh start on, on their offense. They were so stagnant. They did not look like the same explosive team that we've seen them in the past, but you know, he's a water bug. He is a guy that battles for loose balls. Um, he, he's great at coming over the top off a screen and, and ripping a, a shot, or he's got great vision and he, he's a different player and he just wasn't fitting in what Halifax was trying to do. And on Philadelphia, what they were doing wasn't working either. So they bring him in and it just, it seems like it's been a great fit. Um, and you look at Halifax, they brought in a couple of different bodies and Dawson Thede and Brandon Robinson, and they fit great. So this is one of those, you know, moves and it wasn't a trade, but this is a transaction where there isn't a winner and there isn't a loser. Like both teams, I think are coming out on top of here. You get Kyle Jackson for, for nothing and he's fitting well. And then now Halifax on the other side has two big bodies and guys that kind of fit more of the mold that they're trying to, to create in Halifax. 16 points in his first three games with the Philadelphia wings, uh, four goals, 12 assists. So uh, a nice little bounce back for KJ and he will need to be that good again, the rest of the way as yeah. the wings have uh, the seals, firewolves and swarm uh, out the rest of the way. So that's a quick look back at week 18. Uh, we had someone um, mention uh, on Twitter that they would love to see sort of a strength of schedule uh, the remaining way. I don't really know how you would base that um, just in a ranking thing. I'm not that smart uh, to figure those things out, but uh, Buffalo has three games remaining New York, Georgia, Toronto. They've already clinched a playoff spot. Toronto has Rochester, Halifax, and Buffalo. Again, Toronto has already clinched a playoff spot. So, those two teams will play each other and Rochester or New York, Toronto, sorry, has Rochester and Halifax where Buffalo has New York and Georgia. So you would think even if they say lose the Toronto game, maybe the Georgia game, the New York is, is a win. They have a better chance of winning out. Halifax, who's in the number three seed in the East has Calgary this weekend, Toronto, New York, Rochester, all four of their games are on the road. So that is a difficult schedule. Georgia, at home to Buffalo, 
at Panther City, at home to Philadelphia. Uh, not very easy, especially with the way Panther City and Philadelphia are playing, trying to get into the postseason. Philadelphia, as mentioned, at San Diego, at Albany, at Georgia. Not an easy road. Albany, home to Philadelphia, home to New York. So two home games, got to win them. And they may have a hope. Uh, New York, four games remaining at Buffalo, home to Rochester, home to Halifax, at Albany, not an easy road. And then Rochester, pretty much the only team that's really out of things um, versus Toronto at New York versus Calgary versus Halifax. Out West, um, back-to-back games for San Diego, Philadelphia, Colorado, um, home to Panther City at Sask, at Van to end the schedule. Probably probably the toughest other than Calgary. The two teams that have five games remaining, uh, Calgary has home to Halifax, home to Panther City this weekend, then at Vancouver, at Rochester, home to Colorado. Tough going for the Calgary Roughnecks. San Diego, as mentioned, Colorado has three games left, home to San Diego, at Sask, at Calgary. Panther City, four games, two on the road at Calgary, at San Diego, and then home to Georgia, home to Sass. So at home for the last two games could be massive for the expansion club. Vancouver, three games left at Sask, home to Calgary, home to San Diego. Again, just a ridiculous final stretch for the Rush, who have home to Vancouver, home to Colorado, home to San Diego, and then at Panther City. So they need to win out pretty much if you're not in you need to win out and nobody has an easy, easy road because no, everybody's no. in. No. And I, I, you mentioned that it would be nice to see a strength of schedule. I think maybe we got to reach out to our boy, Cooper Perkins. And that seems like something that would fit quite well uh, for laxmetrics.com, but it'll just looking at it off the top. Like I don't see an easy quote unquote scheduled here like everyone has either one or two tough games or they've got a tough um you know travel schedule whatever it is like this last little stretch is going to be awesome and even the teams that have already punched their ticket in like toronto they don't want to just mail it in like they want that second seed they don't want to have to go to halifax uh or have to go to georgia like they want home for advantage badly um you know colorado same thing they they could jump san diego right mm-hmm. uh and, and like so the even if you punch your ticket man your season's far from over like you want to give yourself the best chance um in the postseason by getting that higher seat uh i said colorado and san diego play yeah they play saturday so you know two losses by san diego this weekend and a win by colorado and all of a sudden colorado's in first place in the west when we all kind of thought okay san diego's pretty much got it locked up that, that's just amazing how the West is going to shape up uh, over the next few weeks. Again, like we said off the top, expect the unexpected. Every game has meaning and every game will have a massive, massive importance. And for the Saskatchewan Rush and their captain, Chris Corbeil, these next four games are going to be incredibly. What's the word I want to use? meaningful for a lot of those guys because it could be the last run for this group what's this group going to look like come next year well we know they're going to have a new head coach and we know that's going to be jimmy quinlan that is going to be a major change 
Could Chris Corbeil be there? Will Kyle Rubish, Ryan Dilks, will they be there? It is still yet to be decided. But one thing we know for sure, that this group didn't win three championships or three championships in four years because they were just lucky. This is a talented group. This is a group with tons of competitive fire and one that knows they let an opportunity slip. We'll hear it all as I go one-on-one with the captain of the rush, Chris Corbeil, right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by the captain of the Saskatchewan Rush and oftentimes captain Team Canada, Chris Corbeil. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Teddy? Uh, I can't complain. Getting ready to come back to Toontown this weekend. Big game for you guys, Saturday night against Vancouver. Um, I want to go back a few weeks Uh at the trade deadline, you guys had a game and you were interviewed by the media after, and, and you were sort of on the edge of emotion, just saying you didn't think you would be there that weekend. And you thought that you might've been moved at the trade deadline. What were those emotions like going, going through your mind during that time, during that process of the trade deadline, kind of knowing that, that maybe your time with the rush was coming to an end? Uh, yeah, it was emotional. Um, it was frustrating. Uh, it was anxious and it was a little unnerving just cause I didn't know where I was going. Um, which ended up being nowhere. I ended up staying, but there, uh, you know, it's, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think I joined the rush in 2011 or 2012. So you're talking about the last 10 years of my life that I devoted and committed to, to playing for one organization. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, I hit free agency this year and entertained the idea of going elsewhere, but ultimately decided to come back because I thought this team had a great shot at, at winning a championship. And that was the goal. And um, it just didn't feel very good that uh, there was a strong possibility that that, you know, my, my time in this chapter was going to end um involuntarily and 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 I was going to be moved so it was pretty upsetting and um needless to say the it it didn't happen and I was quite relieved when that was the case and it gave me a a chance to finish things out uh in Saskatchewan on my own terms what has this organization and this rush nation family meant to you obviously you said you know you came over from Buffalo uh a decade ago and you know these guys have been your brothers and you've been with them every weekend for the past X amount of years. How special has this group been for you as a player and as developing through your career? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I don't think I have the career I, I have, um, you know, in terms of success or longevity if if I don't get traded from Buffalo. Uh, the opportunity that 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 Derek Keenan and, and the coaching staff throughout the years have presented to me uh, with the rush is has been phenomenal and I've been able to grow as a player and I've, I've been able to ride the coattails of a lot of great players and, and win some championships and, and you hit the nail on the head, like use the word brothers. It's, it's a family and I know it sounds cliched, but I, I think it helps when you've had the success we have just to sort of bond and come together. Let's be honest, when you're winning life's life's a lot easier and it's more fun. So that's, you know, helped in this, but again, it's, it's, it's your family when you're away from family. It's, it's, you know, guys, I, I've roomed with Kyle Rubish every weekend for five months of the year, uh, you know, for the last 10 years, you put that in perspective, you, you're in grade school, you know, grade one to grade 12. That's, that's almost how long I've been playing for the rush. So it's, 
it's just crazy. It's uh, what what it means to you and how big a part of your life it becomes. And and when you start actually stepping back and thinking like what life away from that looks like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's tough to imagine. So it's it's obviously the rush and and particularly the people with the organization and the team and the players. It's that that's what means so much. Uh, who's the room captain between you and Ruth? <laughs> uh it's <laughs> that's a great question it's got to be kyle he's yeah. he's kind of in control of everything he uh he sets the alarm in the morning like for the next morning he always he, he gives me input but it's on his phone he's the one that decides it he he works the air conditioner if there's any problems with that he looks after it um so yeah he's he's in charge of the room and then i normally uh i get the responsibility of finding us food so i'm up i'm i'm the one that 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 handles looking up restaurants and finding us a good spot to eat uh the the news this week um that that jeff mccomb wasn't going to be back and Derek keen was going to be sort of coming back on the bench full time kind of caught people by surprise Did, did it catch you guys by surprise too uh, it, I mean, it did, it didn't, uh, you know, given, given this last little bit, uh, it's, you know, you kind of anticipated that, you know, whether it be management or ownership, there was going to be a push to have some kind of a change now, you know, whether that change was going to happen sometime during the off season or, or whether they weren't going to give it a, you know, the, the, the last month of the season for it to happen was sort of what people were sort of considering, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's unfortunate what happened to Jeff is the reality of things because uh, essentially he's become the scapegoat scapegoat for a a team that's underperformed. And, you know, ultimately I'm sure Jeff reflects on his coaching and there's things I'm I'm sure he would like to do differently in adjustments, but at the end of the day, you know, the performance is the responsibility of the players. Uh, we've played ourselves to a four and 10 record. It's just not good enough. We've, we've let Jeff down. We've let down management. We've let down ownership. And uh, it's unfortunate he had to be the fall guy for that. So, uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes, you know, it's easier to replace one guy than, than 21 players is, is sort of the reality of this situation. And um, again, I just, I feel really bad for, for Jeff because he's, he's uh, you know, been part of this organization and a lot of the success we've had uh, great offensive assistant coach for a number of years. And uh, I really feel like the players let him down and this, you know, his, his first crack at being a head coach and hopefully not his last. When Derek started kind of showing up on the bench as the GM, it, it kind of brought a lot of red flags for people maybe outside the organization um, for you guys on the bench. Was that, discomforting was it kind of awkward to have him down there obviously he'd been there as a head coach forever but you know now it's kind of he had stepped away from the head coaching job just focusing on the GM role and now all of a sudden he's down on the bench was that kind of awkward for you guys honestly it wasn't awkward for me at all um I can't speak on behalf of all the players I think you know anybody that played for Derek before is accustomed to having him back there but he was quiet. Um, at least with me, he was, you know, he was a bit of a, a silent observer. And I think he would, he would talk to players sort of individually uh, if he was seeing certain things, or maybe he would whisper to, to Jeff or the other coaches if he was saying things. But for the most part, I was still only hearing from the coaches. Uh, you know, I would hear from Talavi on the back door and then Bubs would address sort of the entire 
group collectively, but you know, Derek was there and you kind of felt his presence, but he wasn't getting in the way of anything Jeff was doing. Um, and so it, it honestly, it didn't feel like much of a difference. Uh, and again, that's my lone perspective. Maybe, maybe the coaching staff have a different uh, view of things, but it, it, it wasn't awkward, but at the same time, you kind of noticed like, okay, why all of a sudden is he back? Right. So that was what was looming in the back, but you're not thinking about that when you're actually, you know, shift to shift going out there trying to play a game. And in terms of that, there was no disruption. As the guy that's sort of the leader of the men for that group, how stressful has this year been for you trying to keep everything positive and moving forward as you've kind of battled through this up and down year? Yeah, it, it, you're exactly right. Like it's, it's been, it's been pretty stressful and uh, you know, it's like when, when things aren't going well, you start rethinking things. And I know I've kind of had the same sort of leadership style since I took over even before I took over captaincy, really, I've always sort of approached, you know, leadership the, the same way, whether I was wearing a letter or not. So I start rethinking things, start thinking whether I need to, you know, adapt and grow or whether it's best to stick with what's worked for me in the past. Um, and you start trying to force it. It's, it's like anything when, when things aren't going for you, you know, you're probably in your head a little bit more and that's, you know, shooting the ball, passing the ball, you know, just going out there and playing. And it's, it's, it's in your head when you're in the room too, addressing the guys, I thinking, am I being too vocal now? Should I back off? Uh, so it's, it's just been a bit of a, uh, I was going to use a bad word there, but uh, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been stressful and it's, it's weighed on me and you just, the, the constant, second guessing and rethinking things is, is been uh, what sort of nagged me the most here. And am I doing enough? Am I doing things the right way? Should I be doing them differently? That kind of stuff. The championship culture has been with this group for, for quite some time now. What's the legacy that, that this core will leave with the rush organization? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, th I think it's that, and I think it's the three championships in four years. Um, you know, making four championships in four straight years, like, you know, we're seeing it this year. It's, it's tough to win in this league. It's tough to win consistently, and it's, it's even tougher to win in playoffs. So we, we, you know, we're able to do that pretty successfully for, you know, a good stretch of time there. Um, upon reflection, we probably took it for granted and, uh, that's always the case when the, when times are good. Right. But we had a good stranglehold of the West for, uh, for a decent amount of time and, uh, got a lot of success. So hopefully that's, that's the legacy. And, uh, hopefully we sort of cemented the rush organization as, as a bit of a, you know, that the, the franchise to beat for that at least half a decade. Right. Um, it, you talked about it in years past you guys always seem to find ways to win those close games and you guys were getting the bounces and this year it's kind of been the other way around you guys have been kind of finding every way to lose a game not obviously on purpose but you know whether it be overtime or whether it just be comebacks things like what do you think is the difference like when you when you step back and you look at a team that was 10 years western regular season champions to to a team that that's in last place in the Western conference right now, is there a, an outlier? Yeah. If, if I knew I would try and address it. <laughs> right. And uh, we wouldn't be in the position we're in. 
I've, I've obviously you think about it a lot, a lot of time to reflect. And it's one of those seasons where it is weird because I mean, we're last place, but I think, you know, you look at a lot of statistical departments, we're not, we're not playing, don't get me wrong, like a championship team, but we're not quite playing like a last place team either. Uh, you know, we, I think we're like first in the league in shots against we're near the top of the league in shots for it's just, shots aren't dropping for us. And, and, you know, we're let, we're having defensive breakdowns and let goals in at inopportune times and find ourselves on the wrong side, a lot of those one goal games. But uh, you know, when that's the case, it's, you really feel like it's a cultural thing. Like, you know what I mean? In years past, we had that culture of winning and you said it, we found, we found ways to win games. And now it feels like we're finding ways to lose games is exactly what you said. And, that's just, that's a non-winning culture. That's a, that's a loser culture. And I, again, I don't know what shifts that culture, but we've got this culture now where the expectation is, even if we do have a, you know, a goal lead heading into the fourth quarter or a sizable lead at half, it, all of a sudden it's not feeling like we're going to close this thing out and we're, we're, we're guaranteeing ourselves a win. Guys are second guessing it. Guys are, are playing to hang on to to, to a lead instead of building on it like we, we used to do. And that's not how you close out games. And, and it's been the difference. And again, I, I don't think we've played poorly enough to, to sort of have a, a four and 10 record, but we haven't played well enough to, to be a championship contender. That's the reality of it. Uh, four games left. Your, your playoff hopes aren't dashed. You guys can go on a miraculous run here, win your final four games, get some help um throughout the western conference standings but going into this game against vancouver what's the feeling around this group knowing that you know it, it's not written off quite yet yeah it's like you said it would it would be a miraculous run we need help from other teams which is a bizarre position to be in not not one that's very fun and then on top of that, we got to run the table and we got, I think everybody in the West with the exception of Calgary left on the slate. And there's obviously a lot of, a lot of good teams in there, despite what people say about the disparity between the East and the West. I mean, Colorado just beat the best team in the league, even their, only their second loss. Right. So, um, you know, with all that being said, there's a, there's a feeling of you know, being pissed off because of the position we put ourselves in because of the actions that management and ownership felt they had to take and in, in, you know, terminating Jeff's position. And I, I addressed it earlier, let's be honest, at the end of the day, that's, you know, the players have let them down. So more than anything, we're going to be playing with pride, regardless of what other teams do. It's, it's one of those things where we feel like we're a better team than this. We, we, we know we're a better team than this. And uh, we're playing with a chip on our shoulder and forget playoffs and all that stuff. We've, we've, we've got a message to send to the league that, you know, this group isn't dead. You know, we're, we're not a bunch of old guys that are over the hill. We're still elite players and collectively we can be an elite team and uh, we still got something to show and something to prove. So I think that's, that's the mentality. I think, you know, for the next, game or two we we put away the standings and don't worry about what a win means in terms of playoffs and all that stuff it's just go out there play pissed off show show the league and show the world that uh, we're a better group than we've shown so far um a couple more here for you you mentioned the brothers and and that group but 
there's also some aunts and uncles and grandmas within the organization. You look at, you know, Rush Hulk and you look at Ty Pillon who sits beside the penalty box and you've got grandma Rush. Like over the time of this Rush organization, they have created an incredible following. And those fans mean everything to us as players. What does it mean to you to see, you know, especially grandma Rush, who's like been around since I was part of the organization in Edmonton, to see them still supporting you and, and there for you post game for your hugs and high fives and all that stuff. What does Rush Nation mean to you over all these years? Yeah, well, it's, it's great because, yeah, anybody can be fans when a team's winning championships and, uh, and, and winning all their home games and stuff. But that's, you're exactly right. Like when you, when you see the true testament of his fan is when things aren't going so well, they're still there in your corner and still coming out to support you. And I, I mean, I don't know where we rank in the league, but in terms of attendance and that kind of stuff, it's, I think we're still near the top, despite the fact that it's, you know, COVID's tough on everybody. And, and, and you know, obviously for the league, it hasn't been ideal timing, but uh you know, it's, it's to, to still feel that support in the community is, is incredible. And then you, you outlined a, a few individuals there that uh, are sort of go above and beyond to, to vocalize their support for us. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's who we play for at the end of the day, right? It's guys, guys make a little bit of money in this league, but at the end of the day, we're going out there to, to, you know, live out some, some childhood dreams and play in front of screaming fans and, they're the ones that are endorsing us and supporting us the most. And uh, we're just so grateful that, you know, even during these tough times that they're, they're still there and, and, and backing us 100%. And, and they know as well as we do that we got better. So that's, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you sometimes think like, am I crazy? Am I, <laughs> we can't just snap a finger and all of a sudden we're bad. Right. And uh, you know, we, we, we get that, that assurance from them too. Right. Uh, we started this conversation talking about emotions during the deadline. What do you think your emotions are going to be over these next three home games? Um, really not knowing uh, what's going to be on the other side for you. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try not to think about it uh, for the first couple. That last rush home game, uh, it'll be interesting. And like you said, I don't know what the future holds. I'm not certainly not writing off playing for the rush next year. Uh, and not declaring this, you know, my final tour or anything like that. But there, there's a possibility that it is my last, you know, home game in Saskatchewan. So uh, it'll be in the back of my mind, and I'm sure I'll be emotional because I'm a, I'm a baby when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> Just ask the guys after the game in San Diego, me trying to give the post game speech when I thought I was getting traded there. So uh, it'll be emotional, but for the for the time being, these next two, I'll put it at the back of my head. And um, I think, you know, more than me, you know, being nostalgic or, or too sad and emotion, emotional, I, th I think the emotions are predominantly going to be that frustration and playing with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, PSN has been great for, for the game of lacrosse, getting, you know, our sport to more eyes. How cool has it been for you to, you know, talk to family and friends after TSN games being, you know, saying they saw you on TV and, and how much it's meant for the league? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's, I, I understand the league's philosophy on, you know, why we weren't nationally broadcast for, for a stretch there. And uh, again, I totally understand it, but you miss it as a player. Right. And it gives you 
so much more exposure when the when the game's on friends and family can watch but not just that like it's it's on in you know random bars and restaurants across canada and it's just when it's on in the background next to an nba game or next to an nhl game it just it lends that legitimacy to the sport and to the league which is which is huge and it's you know probably subconsciously a lot of you know viewers that aren't as familiar with the game they're like oh yeah it's that's that's national lacrosse league right it's 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 right up there it's one of the big sports so that's been great. And then uh, you said at family being able to watch games. I, I mean, I'm an Ontario kid that's been playing out West for the last decade. So, uh, you know, games that family's able to come to are pretty few and far between. Uh, this one, I think the closest for us was Halifax and, you know, half my family for, for that one. And, you know, that's not close. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they're getting, uh, you know, a quality broadcast is fantastic. Uh, a lot of that credit goes to you, actually. My mom was watching the last Vancouver game and she, that Teddy guy knows what he's talking about. Oh, well, only when he's saying good things about me in the rush. But, uh, <laughs> so you guys have been doing a great job and, and I know Greg, he's not with us, but, but he's done a great job too with, with a lot of the Halifax and the Eastern broadcast. So, so nice work and uh, you guys keep up the great work. Uh, we appreciate that very much. Uh, it, it, like I said, it's going to be a tough few weeks for you guys, but being pissed off is never a bad thing, and, and you never know what's going to happen. Appreciate your time, my man. I'll see you Saturday in Toontown, and good luck this weekend, and thanks for your time, brother. Hey, my pleasure. Always happy to chat, and uh, yeah, we'll see you this weekend. Looking forward to it. All right, that's Chris Corbeil, and he said it. To a man, they feel like they let Jeff McComb down, and they are going to be playing some pissed-off lacrosse over these next four games. It's not about being spoilers. It's not about breaking players' hearts or ending team seasons. It's about making amends for an opportunity lost, and they feel they owe it to Jeff McComb, and now they're going to have to put it all on display over these next few weeks for their general manager and their interim future head coach, Jimmy Quinn. Man, I've been, I feel like I've been maybe one of the few people that haven't given up on Saskatchewan. I finally last week, I was like, all right, well, it's done. But after hearing him speak, like, I know it's almost impossible, but if it's anyone who could do it, it's going to be Saskatchewan and they've got to win out and they've got to, you know, for some other things to happen. But wouldn't that be quite the story if they caught fire, won out, snuck into that fourth spot in the West? And like, it, it, what a, what a way, um, you know, for this group to finish uh, what they started. And if it's not, I mean, if they, I know they're disappointed and I, they should be disappointed because this is a team that I think has vastly underperformed. Um, but what they've been able to accomplish with this group together is, is awesome. It'll go down as one of the best, you know, teams and franchises and uh, dynasties that the game has ever seen. It's crazy to think that he and Kyle Rubish have been roommates for 10 years on the road. It's just brothers in arms and it could be slowly coming to an end. Uh, one of the things he mentioned there at the end, uh, just talking about TSN and, and games on uh, games on TV. I was uh, out with Stephanie for her birthday on Sunday and we just happened into a place called Leopold's here in town. Um, and they had the game on and it was the, the San Diego Toronto game from the night before. And it was just like Chris said, it's a wall of TVs and there's basketball and there's hockey and there's auto racing and there's lacrosse on. And 
it just puts more eyes on there and it creates talking points. You're like, oh yeah, lacrosse, that's awesome. I'll you know, kind of watch it and, and talking to the bartenders there, they're like, oh yeah, man, whenever it's on, we're, like we're just captivated by it and watching it. And it, it's only going to create more fans just by it being on TV. And I, I love that players are noticing that and fans are noticing that more because it is great for our sport that just the casual observer can just stumble upon the national crossing. I've been, you know, we've all been saying this for a long time. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the previous models that we had years before, like that's great and all, but like the casual sports fan is just not going to pay for a service Mm -hmm. um, that they're not going to use all the time. It being even it's great TSN and like ESPN two now picking up like, uh, more games we saw last weekend uh, the game was on ESPN2 this week we've got another ESPN2 game so that's great as well but even like with it being on TSN direct and being on ESPN plus like people have those packages for other reasons besides just lacrosse so yeah it's amazing for it to be on the bar um, or at a restaurant and you see it there or you're sitting on the couch and you flip by it too but when you're also using your streaming service and you see what's coming up and it's a lacrosse game maybe you're like oh you know what? i'm gonna tune into that but all in all it it's been an unbelievable season and it's been fantastic that this year has kind of matched up uh with our first year of espn and tsn yeah we were saying it you know post game i think i mean even said it on the broadcast like outside of maybe that Toronto Buffalo game where the rock kind of got things handed to him or, and maybe even late in that game Saturday between the the seals and the rock, we haven't had a bad game on TSN. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just going back to the first game of the year was a one goal game. We've had overtime games. We've had dramatic comeback games. We've had record breaking games. Like it's just been, off the charts amazing the talent that these guys are putting on and you know after a two-year break to have this level of compete from game one all the way through the end uh and to have it all being broadcast around the world is just absolutely outstanding uh if you want to look your best at some of these games head over to fanatics.ca or nllshop.com you can buy the gear the pros wear it is a fanatic experience Look your best, be your best, fanatics.ca or nllshop.com. All right, week 19, seven games. It all starts Friday on the 8th, two games, two Western Conference games, or Western games. Halifax at Calgary is your TSN game of the week, part one. Uh, Alterna Cup battle. Um, Do you care? Sure, why not? I mean, it's it's certainly not. I don't think it's on the players' mind as much as uh, as maybe the marketing department would like it. But it's bragging rights, man. Like you can't tell me if Halifax doesn't win here and they clinch the Alterna Cup that the fans on Twitter are going to be all fired up to hold that over their head. Like you, you want to be better than your your countrymen. So um, certainly, with all the stuff that's going on around the playoff race, it's not the first thing on my mind, but. A little bragging rights never hurt. Um, Sean Evans was a healthy scratch this past weekend by the Halifax Thunderbirds. Um, They have an abundance of right-handers. Do you think Micah Kersey, barring any other unforeseen circumstances, 
puts the same offensive unit out against Calgary? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I honestly don't know because uh, I find it hard to, you know, I, I believe that when they brought Sean Evans in that he was, you know, they had an understanding of where, Hey, you're going to be our fifth lefty, or you're going to be a guy that's going to be rotated in. Like, I, I don't know, maybe they have had that understanding and, and that's what the case is, or maybe this is now something that they said, you know what, he's not really fitting in when we, we can't trust him right now. But for me, I don't know, man, like uh, Bushi had four points. Peterson was great. Uh, Shanks had six points. So like the righties started, I still don't think the righties look normal. Like I don't think they still, even with Evans out. So I think the fact that the righties had an all right game, you put up 11 like uh, from a team, but it was really the lefties that were really driving the offense. So I don't know. I honestly don't know. And I don't even know if, they know at this point, like, I think they're probably still tinkering with things and like, you, you don't bring in Sean Evans to be a depth piece. I assume you bring him in to be a contributor and yeah, we haven't seen the flashes of brilliance that we've expected. Um, but I don't know, man, I wish I had a better answer, but I have no idea. I asked uh, Mike Kersey this week in our coaching call. I said, how do you keep all those guys happy? And he says, you can't, he said, it's just part of the business. You can't, keep them happy and if and if they're happy being being scratched then then something's wrong and so he's like you know you you don't want to do it but it's the nature of the business and you understand their fiery passion so it's all about trying to find a balance but you also gotta have to find out what works for your team and i think they're in that process right now so it will be interesting to see what they do with that offense but calgary is a team that's starting to find their groove they've won two and oh or sorry, they've won two in a row. They've got two more home games this weekend. It's a big weekend for them. And we're starting to see Christian Del Bianco play like he can, but the transition ability of Zach Courier will be on display once again, leading the league in loose balls, leading the league in forced turnovers. And the first two, what was it? 40 forced turnovers this year. Uh, just an absolute monster on the floor. Well, you you know my thoughts on him and where mm-hmm. I think he stands in the MVP and in the, the you know the the, the talk conversation for you know best overall player, most impactful players, and I think he can continue to put an exclamation mark on this this season that he's having with a big win against a Halifax team that you know they did you know snap the the four game losing skid but it was an 11-7 game against a weak Rochester team and it looked like it took them a while to get going so um i said it on the broadcast it was a gritty win but it wasn't a pretty win so obviously halifax is going to want to continue to try to build some momentum so calgary has an opportunity at home to face a foe that you don't see too often, but you know exactly what they're going to bring in night in, night out. So I, I can't wait. Cause that's going to, that's one of my, my games. I certainly have circled on the schedule for this week. Miloski joked with us last week on our coach's call. I said, cause I echoed your sentiments to him. I said, Hey, do you think Zach Courier should be in the running for MVP? And he goes, well, we've kind of sewered him with our record, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it was, I think we were all kind of jokingly saying um, at the start of the year when some of us were doing some of our predictions for award winners or whatever, that Christian Del Bianco might be an MVP on a losing team. 
And it, it's kind of Zach Courier is kind of taking that over. Uh, Philadelphia at San Diego also on Friday. Uh, can Kyle Jackson help turn this Wings team around and keep them going forward? Because as we mentioned, they've got some tough games going ahead, but they are not out of it by any means. And it all starts this weekend. It's a tough test. Uh, this is a San Diego team that probably had one of their worst defensive performances of the season. And I think that Kyle Jackson himself can't do it. I think we got to see, you know, you'll have to see some from him. Um, you'll have to continue to see the big cat. He looks like he is starting to heat up at the right time. So it's going to have to be an overall team performance. Um, and we know what San Diego can do offensively. I wonder if Philadelphia takes a page out of the Toronto rock and the um, Vancouver warriors book and play that hard nose style on defense to get under the skin. Cause I totally agree with you, man. Uh, uh, Vancouver did a great job with it. Toronto did an unbelievable job of it. If you get under the skin of some of those key players, play physical, finish your check, throw a couple of hacks and whacks. You're going to take a couple of penalties. That's fine. Um, but it seems to work. That's two games in a row where their offenses look completely out of sync. And I think a big reason is because they paraded through the box. So you don't get as many five on five shifts. You also have guys that are now worried about, you know, getting into the rough stuff rather than just putting the ball in it. So I think that's a way you can disrupt the offense, but you better believe that Patrick Merrill and this coaching staff is preaching. We got to clean things up. We can't get, get caught in that nonsense because that's two weeks in a row where it completely just threw everything off and they were not able to find their stride. All right, next game on the schedule is Saturday, New York at Buffalo. Bandits probably want to send a message in this game. This game would be on ESPN. Uh, the last time these two teams played, it went to overtime. Uh, Buffalo coming off their just their second loss of the season. And Rod Benson, Rod Benson, uh, NLL stat guru, just sent out his weekly milestone email matt vince needs 51 saves to become the first goaltender to record 9,000 saves in his career uh the way new york puts up shots it definitely could happen this weekend but man 9,000 saves for the man they call vino yes getting better with age uh just a phenomenal phenomenal year he's having but again as competitive as the rest in that Buffalo locker room, going to want to have a better showing uh, as he led in a season high 15 over the weekend. So um, the big spot here for the Buffalo Bandits. It's huge. And I think we've said this a little, a lot of the elite goaltenders this year is that you rarely do see a goalie uh, post back-to-back -back stinkers, but we have seen it a couple of times. So it's going to be big for, for Matt Vince to, you know, forget about that game and move forward and have a big bounce back game. And I think you can expect that. I think the defense knows that they have to be better as well. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the defense was starting to read the clippings because I think, you know, over the last couple of weeks, a lot of people kind of gave the defense a lot of props and said, you know what, the offense is electric, but look at what this defense is doing. They're young, they're fast, they're athletic, they block a lot of shots. So I don't know, probably unlikely not, but it just was – Maybe a case where it's a back-to-back, -back, you know, they, it's tough for them to play that run-and-gun style of transition. So maybe they just ran out of gas and Vince was letting in those stops uh, or those those shots that he normally uh, makes with relative ease. On the flip side, though, there's no doubt that, like, that the Riptide 
uh, can put the ball in the net and that they, you know, are an explosive offensive team, but two games in a row where the offense did not look like themselves, five goals against Philly and then a seven uh, on Monday night against Colorado. So the, the offense knows that they need to be much better. And I think for once the riptide could say in two games that it was the offense that let down the defense, because if you hold Colorado to 10 and Philly to 11, you probably should win. Yeah. And it's been their, their two worst statistical really outputs all year. And correction last time these two play, teams played, it was 18, 17. So 17 was a, a season high goals against on Vino, but uh, I don't expect to see a 35 goal game between these two clubs this weekend, but uh, I would expect to see a very agitated ornery bandit squad inside bandit land expect um, that game to be as intense as any uh, Toronto at Rochester rock looking to supplant themselves in the East. Uh, a win would go a long way, but much like we saw with Halifax and, and a couple weeks ago, another, I can't remember who played Rochester a couple weeks ago. Yes. Rochester is down and out. Yes. They're without Ryland Hartley and Joel Watson's had to come in and, and kind of hold the fort together and hasn't done a, a terrible job at all. But this is a team that most other teams look at and say, hey, we should have an easy night tonight. Toronto should be able to walk into that place with the swagger and confidence that they showed against San Diego. And if they play that way, I think they have a lot of success. Um, but they can't allow Rochester to dictate the game and they have to play pure Toronto rock lacrosse. I, you know, I think this is a team that knows that like they can't let the foot off the gas because I think there has been a few times where they've done that this year, that game against New York um, on the Island is something that jumps out to me. And I think that Toronto knows that this is, yeah, they clinched their, 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 their spot in the playoffs and they picked up two huge wins this weekend, but the last thing they need to do is drop a game to a team that they know they should be beating. And a team that you said it, man, like I know at the start of the year, and I know Ryan Smith told us that like, listen, you know, moral victories don't mean anything anymore. Uh, they're eliminated, eliminated from the playoffs, but they're going to keep playing to the very end. I thought, man, like I know they lose that game, but I thought they were really solid against Halifax. I thought, I, I thought their two veteran defenders in Dawson and Coates were unbelievable. Like they were leading by example. They were blocking shots, you know, battling for loose balls. And this is just a team that if you do take a night off, like they can make you pay, whether it's their defense or if Hartley is finally back, like, and you said it, man, like Joel Watson has been solid. He hasn't blown anyone away, but he has not cost them any games yet and he's starting to get more confidence the defense figure out how to play with him as well and we know what their offense can do yeah they don't have sean evans anymore but they still have a lot of studs up front and there was at times where it looked like that they could have hopped on a lead and and ran away from halifax and that's just a young team not knowing how to close games out but Anytime that team steps foot on the floor, they know they're in games and I think they're going to give Toronto all they can. And it's just if Toronto can, you know, stomp on the foot and and allow them not to have that confidence. Talks on a six game losing streak. And as mentioned, just four games remaining in their schedule, Panther city at Calgary. So 
Calgary plays the night before at home. I'm sure Panther City will probably fly in on Friday, so maybe they'll be at the game. Who knows? Maybe they'll watch it on TV back at the hotel. But they'll be fresh and waiting for Calgary the next day. Can they make it six in a row? The hottest team in the National Lacrosse League is Panther City Lacrosse Club. Did not have that on my (laughs) 2021-22 bingo card. But this is a game that... It means absolutely everything for both teams. Like Calgary, we talked about how they control their own destiny. Panther City, like six in a row. And I mean, we'll get to the wagers in a little bit here. But looking at that line, like I thought it was going to be a little bit closer to a pick them, but Panther City at plus 100 right now and Calgary at minus 122. I thought you'd, you'd get it at both minus 110. Um, so maybe a thought of some value there, but uh, this one, this is going to go right down to the wire. I think this one's going to be an absolute track meet too. So if you, if you plan on grabbing a drink at any point, make sure it's a commercial break because it's going to be end to end (laughs) action. Both teams love to play fast. So this is a game that I'm looking forward to watching too. Uh, checking on the rookie scoring race, Patrick Dodd sits second. He is that six points behind. Jeff Teat, who leads all rookies, uh, Dodsey's two assists behind Teat for the assist record. Um, surprisingly, Nate Grennan has kind of found his way in the score sheet more often than not the last few weeks. And the man mm-hmm. they call the gremlin for a good reason. He is a gritty, grimy, ugly lacrosse player, but gets the job done and has been a real spark plug for Panther City. I will say this, there, his season, his shortened COVID season was A, the best thing for him, but also the worst thing for him. The best because it really, you know, solidified himself as a top prospect in that draft and a guy that proved that, oh man, this guy could probably play at the next level. But with that being said, I think maybe not within his team or with his organization, but I think some people on the outside were like, okay, we have, well, I think we're going to expect this from him every night. He's going to get in a scrap and he's going to, you know, score electric goals and come on into the clutch. And I think just how good he looked in that tournament, a lot of people were like, whoa, we got to watch out for this guy. And it took him a little while to get going, but he's found his footing and he's maybe never going to be that player that we saw uh, in the OJ uh, championship, we're off the mitts with somebody because he's always looking for it. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think you got to. I think you've got to see that side of the game a little more. And he's going to be that grit grinder. He's going to be the guy that's setting hard picks, battling for loose balls. And if the, he does need to drop the gloves, he will. But uh, he's a guy that has slowly but surely found his way on the stat uh, on on the the offensive side of the ball. But I will guarantee you that his coaching staff has told him, listen, it's going to come. Just, just relax. It's, it's, it's going to come. And I, I pleasantly have been, you know, impressed with his game over the stretch. And he's a guy that obviously I pumped up a lot of tires because I had a, a firsthand look at him during that tournament. Um, but with that being said, I think the expectations were blown out. Now he's starting to meet them and he's going to be a pro for a long time. I, I know he wasn't too, too worried, but he's a, a, such a fierce competitor. You know, that, because he wasn't producing as much, it probably was driving him nuts. San Diego at Colorado. Uh, we've talked about this game quite a bit already, but a win and, and San Diego nearly locks up that first seed 
in the Western Conference, but a win by Colorado really shakes things up. And obviously what happens the night before at home against Philadelphia is big, but uh, this is becoming one of the best rivalries in the National Lacrosse League. And it dates back to, you know, the first game of San Diego's first season, um, the, all the storylines that have always been involved, you know, whether it be Steve Govich, Jeremy Noble, uh, Cam Holding, um, but this is always a, a track meet and always an intense matchup. And everything's on the line now. And you, mm -hmm. we, we talked about it earlier, like the stakes couldn't be higher. There's a good chance this could be the preview of the West final. And um, obviously the season series is already wrapped up, but that still doesn't mean that this, this game means a ton for both sides. Like if, if, if Colorado can jump, um, you know, the seals, then, then who cares about that season series, but they got to win that game first. And I think San Diego comes out with a win here. It's going to make them feel a lot more comfortable in that number one spot, but it's far from over. So this game here is huge. And I mentioned it off the top, like San Diego hasn't looked like themselves the last two weeks. This is an opportunity to them to just, you know, solidify themselves as the top dog in the West, get that confidence back and get back to playing their best lacrosse heading into the postseason. Final game of week 19, another TSN game of the week. Um, does it bother you when I know it doesn't, but when they say game of the week and there's two games of the week? I mean, it, it, at part at times it does, but it's, I guess I, it is what it is. I mean, I, I would never be upset if I were you doing the double header game. No, I'm definitely because... not upset. Patrick. <laughs> definitely not upset. No, it's uh, when I was funny though. Yeah. When I was telling Stephanie, there was another game on TSN and, and it's the game of the week. She's like, no, it can't be. That's there's, there's only one game of the week. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, but there's two. So anyway, uh, Vancouver at Saskatchewan, uh, the Eric Penny revenge game. Uh, I asked Eric Keenan if he thought there was a chip maybe on EP's shoulder. He goes, I, I don't think he's that type of guy. Uh, but Eric Penny has been fantastic for Saskatchewan. Maybe uh, that one tough game, but the rush defense wasn't at its best that game. Uh, but this is, this is a huge matchup for the Vancouver Warriors. Coming off two tough losses that we already talked about, they need to regroup. I think the fact that Kyle Killen and Keegan Ball were held fairly silent over the weekend uh, has to be a concern. Yeah, again, I think I said this off the top. I think we're finally starting to feel the effects of, of them not having Mitch Jones, especially on that back-to-back. -back. Like, you don't have that guy that can just say, all right, give me the ball. Like, it, it's time to go. And at times we were seeing Keegan Ball be that guy. But we haven't had a large enough sample size from him. Like, this is a longer season. He's never actually had to be that guy at this level. Um, you know, we've seen him at some of the other levels be that guy. So, you know, him obviously being held pretty, pretty silently. Like, Kyle Killen, like, he's been – don't get me wrong. He's been having a, a tremendous season. Uh, but he's the type of guy, if his shot's not really sinking, there's not much he's going to be able to contribute. He's a pure goal scorer. He's a guy that you pay the money. He He – makes his earning by putting the ball in it. A guy like Ball can do a lot more. He's a lot more dynamic. So when you don't have Jones, uh, who is an elite superstar, and those two guys are, you know, showing flashes that they are stars, um, Keegan Ball probably leaning towards more of the superstar um, potentially. But, yeah, th this, is, this is an opportunity where they're going to have to dig deep. Things 
um, are going south and good teams find ways to win when things are going down and, and facing adversity is never a bad thing. In fact, it could be a good thing. It's just, how do you pick yourself up off the mat? And this Warriors team, and I, I asked Jake Elliott on our flashes and I said, I, I haven't been around the team too often, just, you know, in person, saw them the one time in, in Halifax for that TSN game of the week. But just the vibe around the team when I was around them, the vibe that you see on social media and even during games, it's different. So yeah. is this a different group? Because if it is, prove it this weekend uh, by a bounce back game, a hard, gritty performance that gets you back on track. Oh, Killen, uh, one goal over the past two games. Uh, that's not going to cut it. And I think teams have sort of started to figure out how to play him at times. And I know Brad kind of commented um, during both games, the one on TSN, the one the next night against Albany, that if Kyle Killen doesn't have time and room and Jake echoed it, it his shot takes a little longer to release. It, it's deadly accurate. It's one of the best pure shots in our game, but it does take a little extra half second. And that half second in the NLL means the world to shooters. And it means the world to defenders and guys are able to get sticks in hands, close gaps. Goalies are able to react a little better. Uh, so they mm -hmm. got to find ways to get him that time and space. They got to find ways to move him around the floor to get him that angle and that opportunity to get those shots up because they cannot afford to have him going one and O over 120 minutes plus of lacrosse. Uh, so that is your week 19. Seven games all starting Friday, two on TSN TV, one on ESPN TV, all of them on social digital channels and you can watch them from the comfort of your own coach we were on a heater we got a tough tough loss over the past week we're not going to think about that it is in the vault we are moving forward time now for box bets your source for all the lines odds and props across the nll brought to you by coolbet.com stay cool bet responsibly <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, we're not going to talk about last week because it just it just wasn't our week. It just wasn't meant to be. Um, this week is going to be a better week. And uh, the folks at CoolBet are going to help us out. You said it. Short memory. It was a tough one. Tough bounce. But you got to get back on the saddle. You fall off the bike. You fall off the horse. Whatever it is, you got to get back up. Dust yourself off. It was just a half goal. Like it was just a half. Like that's brutal. Yeah, it's a tough loss. It's a tough loss. But we said we weren't going to think about it. We weren't going to nope, frown on it. So positive over. vibes only. So Teddy, this week it was your parlay that you mm -hmm. decided to piece together, and I like this one. We've got the Riptide and the Bandits over twenty-two and a half. Both teams when they're on which we know the bandits have been on all season long. Even when they lost, they still scored 14. The riptide though, we know what they can do. They've struggled last week. We're expecting a bounce back from Jeff T and the Tidemen over 22 and a half. Next, the Toronto rock minus two and a half against a floundering Rochester team. We know how important this win is for Toronto to keep pace with Halifax and Georgia, they get it done by two goals. And last, 
but certainly not least a team that I think maybe some people are kind of shocked to see that they are the favorites, but it's the Saskatchewan rush on the money line against Vancouver. doesn't matter. They're fighting for their playoff lives. Could win by a thousand, could win by one. It doesn't matter. All they got to do is win. Add that up all together. It's like, it's minus a thousand. (laughs) Wait, what? All right. (laughs) It doesn't matter. All they got to do when when that horn sounds, if they have more goals than the other team, we cash our bet. If all three of those win at plus 530, plus 530, even just a little $20 bet wins us 106 bucks. Good day on the golf course. (laughs) <laughs> not bad um there were some more odds coming out and they're obviously you know future odds and they've been refreshed and uh odds for teams making the playoffs have come out yeah this one's interesting to me so uh, we'll 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 chime through the chance because i want to go over the the nll cup as well but this one yeah. i think is super super interesting to me so um you can you can bet on either the team to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs. And um, not all the teams are here. Obviously some teams are already eliminated. Some teams are pretty close to being eliminated. So they're not there. And then there are teams that are pretty close to clinching. So Halifax, obviously. These are the, not these are the in the hunt teams. Yes. There you go. I like that. So these teams that are in the hunt. So the Georgia swarm to make the playoffs, they are minus six sixty seven to miss the playoffs at plus 450. So the book clearly thinks that Georgia should pick up one of those spots. The Philadelphia Wings, minus 286 to make the playoffs, plus 225 to to miss. So more than likely, what the book is thinking right now is that we're going to see a fifth team from the East, just based off the way it is right now. Then you get into some interesting lines here. Calgary. Minus 133 to make the postseason, plus 110 to miss. So still more likely to make the postseason than not. As we said, right now, they're sitting in the third hole in the West. Albany Firewolves. Now we're getting into teams that are more likely to miss than not. So they are plus 140 to make the postseason, Minus 172 to miss Panther City Lacrosse Club. I think this is going to be everyone's favorite bet. Plus 325 to make the postseason. Minus 435 to miss. And one line that I am very, very interested in. The Vancouver Warriors are plus 600 to make the postseason right now. And minus one thousand to miss they're six and nine right now they're fifth in the west but they are right in the thick of things for them to be plus 600 to make the postseason when they're right in the thick things and yes they have a very hard schedule and i'm not saying they should be you know minus 110 or even plus 150 or plus 200 but plus 600 minus a thousand to miss the postseason. Clearly, the cool bet thinks that they're going to be the ones looking on the outside. 
They're at Sask, home to Calgary, home to San Diego to end the season. I mean, that is the best they can do is nine and nine, five hundred at five hundred, and there's already two teams in the West with nine, and in the East there's already three teams with nine. So. I mean, the numbers clearly suggest that it is very, uh, very, very difficult for them to make the postseason. I just, the, when you see it plus oh, yeah. 600. When you see minus 1,000. It just, it, it punches you in the face saying like, what is going on here? But then when you break it down, I mean, it is very, very difficult for them to make the postseason. But if you're a believer in the Vancouver Warriors, if you think that they have a chance to get that, that last playoff spot in the West, plus 600 because if they continue to win i can guarantee you you're not going to get that number that that well ever again so if there's one team you know obviously georgia and philly you're never going to bet them at you know the the number that they're at maybe you would bet them to miss i don't know but is there a, a number there for either to make the playoffs or to miss the postseason that you like um i don't know like I, I'm still on the Calgary train, man. I'm, yeah, no, yeah, I, that's I, where I've been I would on look. this for a while. Like, I know they've got five games left. They've got Rochester, Van, Panther City, bookended by Colorado and Halifax. They've struggled with Panther City every time they played Panther City. Tyler Burton told me this nugget the other day that every time they played Panther City, it's been on the second day of a back to back or a double header yeah. game. Jeez. Um, Jeez. So it hasn't been easy sledding for them, but you know, if, if they win two of three and they get to nine and nine, uh, that means Vancouver's not getting to nine and nine. That means Panther city's not getting to nine and nine. So, yeah, I, I think they can probably find a way to sneak in there at minus one thirty-three, and it's not a bad little poke. It's, it's not at all. Like I, I really, I really like that. And it's yeah, minus one thirty. So you put play, you know, 20 bucks, you're getting back 35, right? Yeah. So you, you're, yeah, your return is, is that $35. So that's one I like, I think from a, from a value standpoint, obviously Vancouver jumps out at you, but Panther city at plus three twenty five. Why not? Why the heck not? Cause I think if they do beat Calgary this weekend, like that's, then they're really, really sitting well. So that that's interesting to, to me. I'd be interested potentially in Philadelphia minus two twenty five to miss the postseason. But then you're asking basically for the West someone to step up or two teams to step up and get that four and four, yeah. which it's possible. But the way the, the East is playing right now, I I have a feeling it's going to be five teams coming out of the East, but. Oof. Expect the unexpected, like you said, Tag. That should be the that should be the analyst's new tagline. <laughs> uh, how um, do you play along? Well, you go log on coolbet.com.ca, whatever you choose. Hit the top right button that says login. It's green. You're gonna sign up. Use that promo code OTCB before you put in your first deposit. We will double that deposit up to $200. Too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Um, all right. That's box bets for week 19 getting you set. Um, 
The reason I was one-on-one with Chris Corbeil this week is because our boy Pat was busy with the Cool Bet folks doing their Masters preview show, and he's all decked out in his Masters green hoodie right now. Um, but what are some juicy numbers that we should be looking at if we want to, you know, get in the fun of the Masters? Well, so obviously I saw you. You're, you're yeah, definitely I, I just like to do that to troll people, but I always just like to throw it on there. Yeah, he, he is on the very anti Tiger Woods train and to, to miss the cut. And I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest Tiger Woods guy. Um, I will tell you right now, I have a little story on why I'm not a big Tiger Woods guy. Oh, so this is, this is back when Tiger Woods won the Canadian Open. This was although a Thursday. I went to the Canadian Open with my dad in Oakville and I was a huge Tiger Woods kid was wearing a red golf shirt, had the Nike hat on and Tiger Woods. I think he might've bogeyed the hole or whatever. And kids are going nuts screaming at him, tiger, tiger, throw me a ball, throw me a ball. Obviously not having any of it. I quietly just put my hand out little old eight, nine year old Pat Gregoire, just putting his hand out. Tiger Woods looks at me looks the other way and keeps oh. walking. I am absolutely crushed. Oh. So from that moment on, I became a non-Tiger fan. But with that being said, when he won the Masters, what he has been able to do to, that's like the biggest comeback in sports history. Like, yeah. Let's be frank. Yeah. I was converted to maybe not a Tiger lover or a Tiger guy. I just fully respect the athlete that he is. And I had some bets, maybe after a few drinks with some of my buddies and before that saying he would never win a major ever again never i said it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen sure enough the first major after boom he wins it so i've had my qualms with tiger before i am converted i'm cheering for him i think it would be an another unbelievable story if he can obviously i don't think i don't think he's going to win but even if he can come saturday or sunday even be on that first page of the leaderboard, even on the second. Like if he could finish top 20, that'd be incredible. Yeah. I don't know Uh, if he's going to be able to do it, but. Yeah. So when I was on uh, drafted, it was like our wrap up party uh, after sort of shooting the first half of the show. And we were all hanging out in uh, the LaRue, LaRue entertainment offices, having some drinks, just telling some stories. And I bet a guy on the show, Brett Gonzalez, that Tiger would never win another major. And (laughs) that was like 20, when would that have been? Like 2014-ish, 2015-ish. So just kind of going through a lot of his shit and and just not being playing, not playing golf and everything else going on. I was like, he's never going to win another major, man. He's never going to. So I was on that train. And so that's kind of, I've, I've always loved Tiger. I think he's just absolutely phenomenal. I was, I'm only the anti-Tiger when it comes to those, he's never going to win another major bet just cause I know it hurts people <laughs> like, oh, Ryan, yeah. like uh, McMichael sliding in saying you're on glue. I'm like, well, that's why I do it. I just like to rile people up. So I would love to see Tiger win. I would love to see him even just be competitive through the weekend um, but yeah, I just kind of always sprinkle that. There's no way he's making the cut bet out there. Well, well, if you disagree with Teddy or you disagree with troll Teddy, you can go to cool bet and we've got our cool bet Canada boosted podcast, um, bet. So it's Max Homa, Mac Hughes, Kevin Kisner and Tiger Woods to make the cut. And 
Bryson DeChambeau to miss the cut. Whoa. That pays 11 to 1. I don't you want to talk about trolling? Yeah. There's nothing more that I love to troll and see Bryson DeChambeau fall on his face. He, we know, obviously, Tiger's the the, the lightning rod when it comes to golf. Yeah. The closest thing is, is DeChambeau. And whether he's winning or losing, it is must-see. But oh, last yeah. year when he said Augusta plays more like 67 to me, and he's only shot 67 or better once since yeah. he said that. Yeah. It's it is music to my ears. I you hope don't he piss off the golf gods, especially the nope. Augusta golf. Not at not at Augusta. Not no Augusta. chance. Uh, all right, so that's another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Chris Corbeil. Uh, Patty, you're off this weekend, aren't you? You got a nothing. rare a rare week off, but lacrosse never sleeps. The Ironheads. We are at the Alora preseason tournament so a little preseason action for the junior b boys we're excited we've got we get to play some teams uh from the west that we don't normally see so we're excited for that unfortunately we won't have our close to our full team obviously with preseason guys still away at school and um i got a bone to pick with a friend of the program clem durazio booking a tournament out your guys way actually they're in bc right now not tournament but a bunch of exhibition games against some bc programs and and yeah so uh, we'll be missing what a lot team? of art i actually don't know i don't know i know that they're out in bc right now so what is it yeah like a secret double probation under the radar tournament just playing some teams out west and i think it's just some exhibition some exhibition games some scrimmages against some of the 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 schools out there so um yeah Oh, like they're like playing field across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought he he was bringing like a box team out here. No, no, he's bringing out his uh, his Everest program, oh, and gosh. and they're playing some some games throughout the week. So oh, I think they're playing. I think they're playing Claremont this week. Yes, they are. Yep, they're playing Claremont. That's one of the games I know that for for sure. So, um, obviously, with uh, the beaches, us being affiliated with the beach, and him him his experience. Uh, with the beaches over the last few years, obviously he stepped down, not the president or the GM anymore. Uh, but we still have a, a ton of Everest kids in our pipeline. So we'll be missing a lot of those boys. Um, we've got a lot of Hill boys. So um, Riley O'Connor, obviously coach of the Hills. So um, it's funny. We have half our team, basically Hill kids. And the other half is Everest. So there's <laughs> that's, some, that's some... like us. Most of our kids are either Claremont or Royal Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, some competitive competition inside the locker room. Yeah, for sure. We, uh, we had an inner squad scrimmage on Monday. Uh, we're starting to break our two teams apart this week. Uh, it's a junior A's and tier one junior B's. So uh, Ty and I will have starting to piece our team together, but yeah, we're in the same boat. We've got like, like combined, I think between our two teams, we have like 15 kids away at school, whether they're in Canada, or the U S so uh, rosters now will look completely different uh, from rosters in a month and a half. So it's awesome. Just being around the fellows and hearing the bang of the boards and blowing whistles and just catching up with the guys. has just been absolutely awesome. Uh, as is always catching up with guys like Chris Corbill. Thanks to him for stopping by uh, and giving us a chat. It'll be a tough, next few weeks for him and, and the core of the Saskatchewan rush and what the future of that organization holds, but it all starts for them on Saturday when they host the Vancouver warriors on TSN. It'll be myself, Brad Chowner and Chantel Chen. We'll also have the Calgary Halifax game on Friday night. And if you're in the United States, New York at Buffalo 
is your ESPN game of the week. He is at P Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.